Today, uh, by the grace of the Lord, I want to talk about the double blessing and find some keys to unlock that that double blessing for our lives because I believe that God, you know, has already authorized it, but he's endeavoring to get us to be able to walk in it. All right, so we have some scriptures up there and uh, we're going to just, they just kind of give you an overview of some thoughts that we will share. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in your portion, in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double everlasting joy will be theirs. Quite an outline there of. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today I declare that I will restore double to you. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently or carefully with tears." Those are just some of them, and you will find in your bulletin all kinds of scriptures for this Sunday sermon. So, Father, we thank you today, and we want this to be encouraging. We want it to be a blessing. And uh, we look to the Holy Spirit this morning uh, to just transfer and communicate today God's ideas in God's plans God's promises that are ours in the here and now and that which is to come. Amen. Let me start out with double for your trouble. Double for your trouble. We read that scripture, you know what I mean, that says that God would give double for the trouble. This is a promise that is part of the good news of salvation. God has promised to restore. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly while the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Now as we look at the word trouble... Without getting too technical, let me tell you that it is more than inconvenience. And it's more than simply a problem. Yes, there is a connection between problems and trouble. They're like sisters, but they are different. 
problems are countable. Trouble is usually uncountable. Yes, trouble is less connected to solutions than problems are. Problem is the issue, while trouble is the effect. Problems are something you have to deal with. Something is wrong. It's more specific. But trouble causes one to be agitated, to worry, to be disturbed, to be stressful. It's the state of the situation because of the problem. Trouble. God says, I'll give you double for your trouble. It's a difficult time. Trouble is. It's challenges or adversities. It's problems and difficulties causing extreme worry or stress. It's misfortune. It is to be at a disadvantage. It's a situation causing a feeling of helplessness. And it has a disturbing effect on the mental calmness of you and the contentment of you. A picture of trouble would be Jonah. It is true he had a problem. But he had more than a problem. He was in trouble. There's no solution. There's, there's no exit. There's no effort on his part that somehow, you know what I mean, would solve the problem because he's got trouble. Right? Amen. Amen. Daniel in the den of lions, it is a problem, but he's looking down and at the teeth of hungry lions. He's got trouble. There's other characters. Joseph, various individuals that they were in trouble or life had somehow positioned them and the issues of problems after problems had risen to a place or a state of of trouble. How is it that our approach to trouble or problems should be one not of negativity, but of opportunity? Yes. I love what 
James said, Blessed is the man who endures his trouble. For when he has been approved or passes the test in that trouble, he shall receive a crown of life. Not speaking of your eternal life, because eternal life is a gift by grace. But there is a God kind of life, a, a dynamic that, you know, enters your life because you become more aware of the awesomeness and the faithfulness of God. It was Spurgeon that wrote this. He says, do not sorrow your trials. Do not look upon them as misfortunes. They are black vessels that are loaded with gold. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial that is about to overtake you, as though some strange thing has happened to you. Now, but he goes on to say that the trial of your faith is more precious than gold that perishes. Can you imagine that your trouble is loaded with gold? Because God turns trouble into a double blessing. Spurgeon goes on to say, your choicest mercies come disguised as your sharpest trials. Yes, more precious than gold. An amazing promise of the Lord that God has went ahead and told us that he hasn't given us uh, an immunity card against suffering and trouble. But he has told us that he has overcome that trouble. These things have I spoken unto you that in me you may have peace. Whatever is going on, God wants you and I to have peace. One of the double blessings that we are afforded to us as children of the Lord. In the world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. He's saying you need to get a right attitude. That really is a challenge. Get a good attitude. Because why? I have overcome the world. And what did he do it for? Not for himself. He did it for you and I. And he backs it up with that promise from the scripture that there is blessing on the other side of trouble. Absolutely. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and he's 
kind of given us a perspective of the things that happen in trouble. He says, we're perplexed, we're crushed, we're hard-pressed, we're even kind of persecuted. Sometimes it seems like we're all alone, we're forsaken. Sometimes we're literally struck down. But he ends each one of those with a positive. Yes. There may be trouble, but you don't have to be in despair. It may look like you're down, but you're not out. I told you last week, there are things that happen that can appear to be fatal, but they are not final. Amen. Amen? Amen. They are not final. The master has the last say. As Lazarus' event seemed to be and was fatal from a human standpoint, it was not final from God's standpoint. So there, if you are in trouble, God wants to give you double. Double because why? The double portion is your birthright. Your birthright in Jesus Christ. The double portion birthright belonged to the firstborn. Yes, it did. And while we could historically look at it, and we will look at some of characters, but right up front, Jesus Christ is the firstborn. And if Jesus Christ is the firstborn, he goes on to say that we are joint heirs with this firstborn. In other words, everything that the firstborn has accomplished for us and receives belongs to everyone that is born again because we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Not only that, that's from a personal standpoint, but from a church standpoint, the kingdom standpoint, the workers standpoint, the, 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 the mission standpoint, they too have a position as being firstborn. It says in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 that you have come to the assembly or the church of the firstborn. Oh, hallelujah. So not only as individuals, but as uh, 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 whatever uh, uh, dynamic it is that God has assigned to you or placed you in. You are a candidate for a double portion. Amen. You see, divine sonship is a matter not only of divine life, but also 
position, right, and inheritance of the sons of God. Now, indeed, it reaches from here onto in eternity. I grant you that. We are not going to see all of the firstborn rights here, but there is enough to get us through. Hallelujah. There is. The double portion speaks of territory. When a firstborn had, uh, uh, it was his right, then he had, you know, an allotment of more territory. All right, so you don't want to just limit yourself to a small segment of what, you know, may be your area of ruling and, well, that's good, ruling. (laughs) Amen. Absolutely. It was also prominence in dignity and power. Genesis 49 and 3. Not only was the firstborn in its original intent, it was also priesthood. Priesthood, yes. Israel lost that portion of the birthright due to the worship of the golden calf. But they were originally supposed to be priests as a whole nation. But you are a holy nation, a peculiar people, a royal priesthood that you ought to show forth the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into a marvelous light. Hallelujah. Absolutely. We not only offer sacrifices of worship and praise, but we have have dynamic divine access according to Hebrews. Therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace that you may receive grace and mercy in the time of need. Oh, hallelujah. So we don't want to be worshipers of golden calves. No. It was divided then, but now it is being restored. I can talk about the Levi, the kingship, and and the various things, uh, the priesthood, The double portion to Joseph. It meant a special destiny. Special destiny. You see, one's willingness to serve God transforms a person into the firstborn. Number one, of course, you must be born again. You, this thing is by birth. It is by birth. But think about this. Abraham was not a firstborn. Isaac was not a firstborn. Jacob was not a firstborn. Joseph was not a firstborn. David was not a firstborn, but they all entered into the firstborn blessing. Somebody give the Lord a praise this morning. Oh, hallelujah. Absolutely. The firstborn, amen, has so many rights and privileges. Would you give me a moment to talk about how not to sell 
your firstborn privilege. It says that Esau sold his firstborn right. Yeah. Jacob in his own cunning craftiness, but it was so, what was so, you know, you want to notice is that Jacob wanted the firstborn blessing so bad. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, as we take the story of Esau, which is in the Old Testament and the writer of Hebrews brings it over into the New Testament Christians. Discovering that firstborn blessing is an option. It's your right by birth. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. You see, grace is in the firstborn. That no root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble. You know, it's really important that you don't let things bug you to where it starts to turn in your spirit. Yeah, that ain't worth it. I remember seeing a, uh, 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 a news clip and, and uh, this was a, he, he was a, is it okay if I say he was a hippie? I mean, I don't know what is politically correct and church correct, you know what I mean? But anyway, you know, an incident with people had, had happened in his life. And, and I don't know how the newscaster, why he was there, but, you know, he says, well, what is, you know, what's your response to that? What are you going to do about it? Nothing, he said. I'm not letting him buy any space in this old brain up here. <laughs> Amen? Hallelujah. You don't want to let him. Those things buy space. Because all of a sudden, your, you know, your mind, you know, becomes occupied with it. And finally, it enters into your heart. And let me tell you something. You know this. But the best way, okay, to poison water is to go to its source. And that's why the scripture says to guard your heart against all of those things. Because what happens is that's the source. For out of the heart is the source of life. There are some things that you can't control. But you can control what goes in and sticks. Yeah. You know, those thoughts, they start, they're wandering thoughts. You ever have those moments? It says we need to get rid of them, cast them down. But anyway, first of all, Esau's selling of his birthright was an inward decision. It is more than something you commit. 
It is more than your sin or doing wrong. It's an inward decision. Absolutely. He forfeited his spiritual blessing for physical fulfillment. We know that he did not value the things of God. I want to go through these so you get a proper perspective because I don't want you going away thinking, you know what I mean? Uh Uh-oh. No. You've got mistakes in your life. You know, there might be a few of you that don't, but most of you do, you know. Uh, So we all... But anyway, you know, for those that don't, you know, you have to be real careful about (laughs) self-righteousness. Us sinners, you know what I mean? We're always having to be picked up. We always got to be lifted up. But anyway, he treated his birthright carelessly. Can you imagine you know, selling it for a bowl of soup. And one of the reasons that he was made that decision is because he exaggerated his circumstance. I'm about to die. No, Esau, you're not about to die. You might be hungry, but come on. Oh, hallelujah, church. Don't exaggerate your circumstance. Keep it real. It's not being insensitive. He was governed by feelings, driven by appetite, and living in the moment. He was a person that he could see the cost of everything, but could see the value of nothing. Somebody said, that's good preaching, Pastor. I thought it was good. (laughs) Yeah. The value. The value of it. That decision was more than, you know, just an issue. It was setting the course of his life. In his issue of this birthright thing, a very important aspect of it is this. He discards his status with the Father. Where does the first born right what is the first thing where does it come from comes from the father amen and so he's saying you know what I mean my father son relationship is not valuable enough Mm. 
So you see, it's not just a sin that you've committed. It's a breach or broken, breaking a relationship. And he is then missing out on the blessings that would be at the end. It says that he esteemed, according to Hebrews 12, the grace of God lightly. By the way, Jacob obtained the birthright, but he didn't enjoy the birthright until he was transformed. It wasn't just by lineage, or in this case, you know what I mean, having desired it with such intensity and got it granted to him. He spent... 14 years learning how to be transformed. And then after those years, that's when he began to enjoy the firstborn blessing. Oh, there's hope. Hallelujah. 14 years, remember? Seven years for one and seven years for the other. Now, you don't want this part, but the family blessing was still on Esau. Just not the firstborn or the double blessing. (laughs) Now, you can receive this or not, but I checked it with some of my oversight. He did not lose his sonship. He lost his firstborn rights. Think about it. He became a great nation but he was no longer honored and privileged to be a progenitor or to carry forth the spiritual lineage and blessing the natural was still in his court But Jacob was honored to carry on God's heritage. The church is honored to carry on God's heritage.
he lost his double portion. That's how I see it. And you got a right to be wrong. <laughs> I'm just humoring you, Chuckers. But I'm serious about this double portion blessing. You know, we want to unlock that this morning. So think about it from Genesis to Revelations. The blessing of God weaves its way from the garden all up to the point when Jesus comes and the blessing is God is with us. Absolutely. God is with us. The blessing of God survives the soap operas of life. It does. It survived that soap opera of Isaac and Jacob. It proved itself bigger and better than all the mistakes. The blessing turned Jacob into Israel. Twelve sons into twelve tribes. The original blessing becomes the eternal blessing. Quickly moving on. We read the passage of scripture that we are to be prisoners of hope. What is a prisoner? A prisoner is to be contained under the authority uh, of another or something with fixed boundaries and set rules a prisoner but the scripture says that we are not prisoners of war but we are prisoners of hope now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing pretty amazing in Zechariah chapter 9 he says we are to lock ourselves up in the prison of hope lock yourself up in the prison of hope into its boundaries and its rules under its authority don't be programmed to be negative there is something good about positive thinking <laughs> It came from the Bible. Yeah. There's something powerful about positive speaking. For in the tongue is the power of life and death. Prisoner of hope. A hope that is built on Christ and not circumstances. It is possible to be a prisoner of perspectives. If the circumstances dictate, you know, how you see God and how you see life, then 
you become a prisoner of perspective. We can be prisoners of our mistakes. But remember this, that the breaching of hope is always an inside job. It's always an inside job. Oh, yes. Hope is an inside job. Happiness is an inside job. Peace is an inside job. Worry, anxiety, all of them are inside jobs. That's why he's a God of the heart. God of the heart. Prisoner of hope. Today, the chapter of your life might be titled Setbacks. But according to God's word, the next chapter is entitled Comebacks. Yeah. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Now I realize that most of them is more than three days, okay? But I know in our life, we've always seen the comeback. Absolutely. The comeback. Joel gives the promises of double portion blessings. He tells us that, you know what I mean, rather than there being a great span between seed time and harvest, he says God is going to close the gap. Where the seed time and the harvest is in the same month. And it goes on and talks about provision, restoration. It talks about God's presence on a regular basis. It talks about the promise that your family values and visions will be restored. It talks about that the spiritual life of your family is going to have an opportunity. Absolutely. Peter picks it up in Acts chapter 2 and said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on your sons and your daughters. That's double portions. Amen. Today we have as firstborn promises our children. Amen. We have to close I'll just tell you, Psalms 103 has 28 blessings in it. You can go, though. We don't have time this morning. My musicians come this morning. Let me give you some keys of unlocking the double blessing. We discover this from Job's process. Number one. Cultivate a relationship with God. With God the Father through Jesus Christ our Lord and the precious Holy Spirit. You see, coming to church is not legalism. It's cultivating a relationship with God. 
when he set the Sabbath in place, he says, I'm giving you an opportunity to cultivate your relationship with God. Amen. In the feast, every one of them was designed for spiritual preparation. Spiritual preparation. Think about it. Number two, worship when tragedy strikes. Job had the story, tore his robe, shaved his head, and he fell on the ground in worship. Don't accuse God in any wrongdoing of any wrongdoing. Maintain your godly integrity. It helps to set the sail in the comfort, of course, of your own heart. Don't sin with your mouth. Yes. I want to go into that. You need to let your commitment transcend your physical life. Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. Job got to double blessing through these avenues in his life. He may not have been a firstborn But he went ahead and got the firstborn blessing. Oh, yes. Apply the principle of patience. The New Testament says, remember the patience of Job. When you're in the midst of it, and it doesn't seem to, circumstances doesn't agree with God's promises. Be patient. Told you last Sunday that if you judge a building or an architect by the incomplete structure of the building, you do an injustice and in service in the same way. If you judge God when things are still under construction or is still in the process, you're doing an injustice. Because he works all things together for good to them that love God and that are called according to his purpose. The firstborn blessing is in loving God. The firstborn blessing is doing what God asks you to do. Amen. The firstborn blessing is available to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We got to close. Anyway, I will. I'll actually do it. <laughs> well, it's better to have too much and not enough, isn't it? <laughs> As you stand with me this morning, praise the Lord.
As Jolene said, God is preparing us. He's preparing the workers. It's always been in God's heart. And everybody can be a candidate. Just don't be an Esau or a Reuben. Both of them lost their firstborn privileges and rights because it was an inside decision. Yeah. David didn't lose his even though he had great failure in his life because inside the decision for God was still intact still intact we have a song this morning as we close out the Lord and as you go amen I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. In church, it's more than money. It's more than finances. Esau had that. Yeah. But there is a kingdom. And kingdom things that translate into the natural of promises of peace, promises of joy, promises of, of having faith and confidence. And... Amen. As you go, make yourself a prisoner of hope. The boundaries of hope, the laws of hope. Let them, let them you know, guard and guide your inner life. And when you do that, God will guard and guide your outer life. Because he said, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. Don't you let the devil push you out of the prison of hope and the boundaries of hope. Get thee behind me, Satan. I believe God that it shall be as he has said. God bless you. Go with God. Amen. Amen. For God is going with you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.